The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Back to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I'm your host, JP John Paz. This week on Who Is, we're talking about who is the best big man ever in the history of the business. Let's bring in the panel. First, the man to my left, weighing in at 185 pounds from the Isle of Samoa. No, I'm just joking around. We are talking about the doctor himself, Mr. Jargo. Michael, how are you doing today, sir? A little paranoid all of a sudden, man. You got me at 185. I've been losing all this weight this year, Paz. Jeez, I'm down to like 178. Good Lord, Jeez. man. Keep up. Damn, all right. And, of course, the third man in the booth, the big man on campus, Mr. TMPT, Mr. HMG, Mr. RBV. Rick, what's going on? Gentlemen, uh, good to be back with you. Missed last week there, but uh, an incredible episode. Yes, uh, you know, we're, we're talking big men in the business, big men on campus. Hey, and I didn't even plan this. This is what I had for lunch here. A Big Mac. So here we go. So, so everything's go big today, man. Go big or go home. So obviously, big man, just to preface, it could be a tall guy, could be a fat guy, could just be a big guy in general. He's a big man. There's going to be a lot of different variations. We can talk about, you know, Giant Gonzalez to King Kong Bundy. I mean, there's going to be different variations. Of big man, because I know Rick is definitely. Well, you know what's going to be at. You know what? What are the parameters here? Jargo and I were talking about this as we were kind of kicking some ideas back and forth about who's going to top this list. And as you go through, when you talk about like your modern big men, I don't know if they quite measure up to to what we would qualify as a big man. And one of the names that came out, I will throw it out there and see see what you guys would think about like a Brian Cage, uh, who is only six foot. Not even 300 pounds. I mean, would he fall into this category if he would happen to uh, tickle your interest on your list? No, he's too small. Just, just, I mean, he's big in general as far as like a big guy, but he's he doesn't meet the height requirements. And if you're going to be massive to be a big man, you got to be well over 300, I think. You got to well, be at least a certain height, probably about 6'6 six, six or, or, or above. You know, I, I even wouldn't consider Hogan a big man, but I don't know, you guys might. I, I knew that was going to come up. And, you know, I think he's more on that fine line uh, of where we're going to hit those gray areas. It's it's interesting because 
you have to take context into consideration, right? Because, I mean, like, if we were just doing this in 2021, best big man, Randy Orton, might be on the list. But I don't think of Orton as a big guy in any way, shape, or form. But he's bigger than three-quarters of the WWE roster. Yeah, maybe more. Literally, maybe more, yeah. Um, Strowman looked like a freaking beast. If he was around the 80s, he's warlord. You know what I mean? He's not going to be the biggest. I don't think of Lance Archer necessarily as a big guy, but on the AEW roster, he's a freaking American kaiju, right? Yes. Um, the, the, the one on my list that I questioned was Brock Lesnar because I somebody get in the same room with Brock Lesnar and tell me he's not a massive man. Does Brock Lesnar make the qualification? You know what? It's funny. I didn't really think of him just because... I actually don't even know why I didn't think of it. I just was thinking bigger guys in general, but he would fit the mold. I mean, he weighs probably around 300 pounds. I know in UFC, he had to literally cut weight to make, make 265. And then on the day of, of the fight, he's probably around 280 or so. so. So, I mean, WWE is probably somewhere hovering around 300. And he's six foot three, six foot four ish. Uh, I would probably have to, con- maybe I didn't at first, but maybe I have to reconsider putting him on, on the list because. He's definitely on that outer edge, but so so is a Hogan because Hogan was technically three hundred and around six six, a little bit taller than Lesnar. But. Well, I was gonna say, well, he's got three inches on Lesnar. Yeah, in the case of Hogan. Yeah, now, so he, now, did you gentlemen consider styles, move sets, how they wrestle, how they handle themselves? And, and I kind of looked at that myself. And what would be another question I'll spin off here for you guys. I know we're going to get to a lot of great names. I know we both, we all have a list over, you know, 20, 25, whatever the case might be. Um, have we seen a, a truly great big man maybe since the Attitude Era? Like emerge. I mean, because I know we've had some hangovers, the guys that were around then. But has, has it really been anyone new on the scene? I know that we just mentioned Strowman, but I don't include him anywhere near when I'm talking about great big men. Nope. And I see Jargo thinking deeply about it. No. Strowman didn't make my list. No, um, definitely. He wouldn't make mine either. No I, way. I, the one I, I didn't put him on the list, but if I was going to put like best big man today, it'd probably go to Drew McIntyre. That's fair. Considering if you really look at it, like in today's aspect, Lesnar is a big man. Cause he's probably the biggest guy on the roster. McIntyre's actually a little bit bigger uh, height wise. Than, yeah. Than, I, I was just Brock. thinking like full so, yeah. time. Yeah, so he would probably be considered, which is nuts because I wouldn't even consider them both big men either. I really kind of really wouldn't consider Lesnar a big man well, now that I think about it. Or McIntyre, like, but in today's context, maybe. If, if, if you put Drew McIntyre on the WWF roster in 1985, number one, I would have loved to have seen that. But number two, he is not a big man in, no. in any way, shape, or form. But today, he's the freaking beast. Well, it's, I saw a meme yesterday comparing – they had on the top – they had the click, and on below that they had the elite. And Sean Waltman, who was this you know this great breakthrough high flyer for the WWE, the one two three kid, the lightning kid, you know, revolutionary in his time. He makes, I mean, he towers over the elite, <laughs> every one of them. So I mean, and it is, so I mean, that's what we're looking at: the change in the styles and the eras and. And just the the size itself of the of the whole class of professional wrestler. So when I say best big man ever, first name that pops in my mind, and he's not even necessarily my pick. Because I might go a little bit, depending on if you guys can change my mind, I might go different on the pick. The first guy I think of is Andre the Giant when I think of best big man. 
Yeah, Andre was the first name I wrote down because, I mean, he, literally the giant, right? I mean, he, he's the very definition of a big man. He's kind um, of where it all starts for me. It's like, okay, he start, he like the big man as far as like just being the draw in wrestling. It's Andre, and then it's everybody else follows suit. Well, and, and Rick and I talked about this a little bit offline this morning. I think the thing that really hurts Andre is we didn't get to see his prime in context. You know, I mean, you go back and watch some of the stuff he was doing in New Japan. Andre was so much more athletic than what most WWF fans came to know Andre the Giant to be. Well, I think, you know, just the rarity, you know, what we've got to see, and, and we really hang on for the Western fan and where, what it's meant to ro- pro wrestling is WrestleMania three that build there with Hogan and Jordan, you're right. I mean, there's so much beyond that in the prime that we didn't really get to see that. And hell, even if you were living during that period, you didn't you have the didn't television, right? You didn't have the television now. And you're saying it is rare that you can find that footage from Japan or, you know, where he's traveling the territories, but you got to remember that he was special, such a special attraction. Andre was, and, and he really defined that traveling circus of the time. And a lot of the places he go to didn't even have access to film. So there is no footage of, you know, you would hear about, Oh my God, this, this larger than life seven, you know, foot plus just absolute. You're in awe of this magnificent being, you know, getting off his feet, doing drop kicks. You know, there's not a lot of footage of that stuff. So it's hard to really, truly appreciate that. But yeah, when we get to Andre, I think, you know, it's going to come down to a handful of individuals. He's going to be right there because he was the one that paved that way and ultimately changed the world of professional wrestling. And he really was that first one, too. When you're a big man, you struggle a lot of times in your career because you are a specialty. You are a special attraction because of the booking problem. Once if they put a belt on you, how the hell are they going to get it off of you? You know, and it's. And it and the shelf the shelf life wears thin, and I know there's a gentleman we're going to talk about. I think that's probably his greatest achievement on his resume. You know, one one of the things Paz and I talked about on the Hogan era podcast when we did the Andre episode was: has there ever been a wrestler more over than Andre the Giant? And even in 2021, can you think of any pro wrestler anywhere that is more over? than Andre the Giant. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's my seven-year-old daughter or if it's your 70-year-old grandmother. Everybody knows who Andre the Giant is, even still. And he's been gone for years. Very true. It's just crazy to think of his star power. Even all these years later, everyone knows Andre the Giant. Everyone. And he is the standard by which all giants are judged. Yes, so all the big men are kind of being judged off of Andre and he not necessarily is my pick for the best but like Rick said he's going to be there in the final three for me even maybe final two of guys that you have to throw them in the mix at least throw Andre in the mix another guy hey, wrote down know, here you go real quick though on free form HD right now as we're recording uh, the princess bride there you go. What are the, that, did you talk about that crossover that crossover star power what he brought in the record you know for people to recognize pro wrestling and if you yep. don't know Afro Andre, y'all need to go educate yourselves because Afro Andre was incredible. Hey, he's got a posse. That's right. I have my LJN Andre off to the side. I can't reach it, but I have it with the Afro, of course. With other great big men, I feel like everyone always talks about the Undertaker as far as being very high up on that greatest big man list. Where does Taker live? Well, I mean... 
the thing about Taker is when you start talking about the greatest of all time, period, Undertaker is in that conversation, let alone just the big man conversation. There's so many of these guys, and I don't get me wrong, I love it, that are just big guys that go out and just beat the snot out of people. Undertaker, probably the most athletic big man that we've ever seen inside of the world of professional wrestling. Some of the things that that guy could do and how probably still could do if, if they actually, you know, oh, well, you know, the Saudi Arabia show is coming up. So maybe they will let him. Um, I, to me, Undertaker, hands down, if he's not in your top two or three, you need to relook at your list. You need to hand in your fan card and get the hell out of here is what you right. need to do. But, you know, what it, I think what makes The Undertaker so special and what he's and – and ultimately is going to be so hard to top And when we get to number one here. When you look at, you know, what has made so many different big men special in their own way. You know, it's Andre, as we talked about, that attraction, that athleticism, he, and that charisma and all that. The Undertaker embodied that as well. But he seemingly took it to another level. It was like he was like the evolution of Andre, where he was much more slimmed down. There was a lot more character development. There was a more of a mystery and mystique uh, behind the persona that we were given. The the respect was on par from the fans, from the locker room, from management that you, you'd seen with Andre. And it, it is, you know, it was really a passing of the torch. And what you do in those cases is that predecessor goes to the next levels or that's what you hope for. Uh, and I think that's probably your edge for the undertaker when we line up him and Andre. Did, did we ever get that stare down? Cause I don't remember that stare down. They had to overlap a little bit, right? Undertaker's first couple years at the WWF. Andre Absolutely. would have been in the company. Yep. Definitely overlapped. Never. As far as I remember anything in ring or anything on the camera or on TV, That would, uh, but cool. they definitely overlapped. Yeah. God, that would've, would've, it would have been interesting to really go back and look at the, the right time to pick something along in, along those lines. Uh, obviously because you know, where Andre was at, you wouldn't probably want anything physical, but just that moment of that stare, you know, maybe going toe to toe, I'm trying to think, you know, maybe one of those early Survivor Series or something like that or around the debut. I can't really recall what Andre was doing, but there, there would have been a little bit of passing. But Andre was on the crutches around that time. Right. Man, I've never even like really heard Undertaker talk about Andre, like any interactions or anything. Like you would have thought that well, they were in two completely different worlds, but there was a little bit of overlap there. Well, was it, you know, the only thing is, is you hear everyone praise Andre and, you know, the, the you know, this big giant, but he was so lovable. Uh, but, you know, I guess maybe the one thing was that he didn't like other big men. Yeah, that's true. Or rookie big men at that. Yeah. It, it, you know, there's a certain case because you have to protect your own. Yep. And, you know, if, uh, if there's a lot of other guys coming in that are now doing moonsaults, and, you know, they're still getting up and down and you got to protect your spot there. They're actually, for some weird reason, I don't know why, and I would definitely want to go back and visit and see what the time period is on this. But Sean Mooney is interviewing Undertaker and Andre. It looks to be about 91 MSG for some reason. Interesting. Wow. What a, that. that would have been a hell of an MSG moment. Something wow. special. Yeah. Andre is, is oh, he's got the crutches and he's got like plain clothes on, but Undertaker's in full gimmick. They're backstage at MSG. Interesting. I don't recall that. I'm going to have to look further into that. I just don't remember them ever really crossing paths. And that's pretty cool. I used to love watching those MSG shows. And I do not recall that. That's a, 
a great meeting of two giants in the business for sure. But just moving on. So we got Undertaker, we got Andre the Giant, we got quite possibly my favorite big man of all time, arguably the greatest wrestler who's a big man of all time, arguably the greatest worker who's a big man, Big Van Vader. Rick, you were confused where I was going there, but Big uh, Hey, I, I, hey you, wow, you, you got it, man. I think you knocked out of the park. I was wondering where, where you were hitting at here. Uh, but again, very diverse, brought all of those tools to the job site that you know that you need to to build that, that successful career to to bring people in. I wonder when it comes to Vader, if it was you know he spent so much time in the East and just not the the exposure from really WCW. I, I was just sitting here thinking, what do you consider to be the height of Vader, like like his career, like what was the pinnacle? of vader's career probably holding all those titles on all those different continents at the same time uh was it 93 ish he was the champ in japan he's a champ in mexico he's a champ in the united states like he was the champ oh, oh and, and europe so i mean he's the champ in three different continents at one point it's just crazy the year that he had but i i think when you ask the average pro wrestling fan especially hey, in 2021 champion, i guess for a year basically they'll probably just go to the sting feud right you know wow that's kind of it's kind of crazy though like when, when you really consider his full body of work um yeah I'm, I'm with you pause watching vader work all over the world and all the different styles and vader was so much better than i was exposed to as a kid he's he's one of those guys that as I've gotten older and go back and watch stuff, I have so much more appreciation for, and maybe it's just because he scared the ever-loving hell out of me when I was a child. Oh, man, you, you talk about intimidating. Pops, what's interesting, you, you know, you're talking about 93, that tremendous year he has. He he comes in at number two on the PWI 500, just behind, behind Kenny Hart. Omega? Oh. <laughs> back, back when you could actually put some legitimacy behind this list. Uh, Big Van Vader in at number two. In 1993. All right. All right. I'll give it to him. Behind With, Brett, you said? Behind yeah, Brett. Yeah, I'll give it to Brett. Uh, but that was an unbelievable year. Well, for Brett. Here's kind of uh, interesting. Vader jumps all the way up the previous year. He was number 15. He goes all the way from 15 to 2. Nice. Wow. You got to love Vader because... He could have a good match with pretty much anybody. Maybe El Gigante aside, just to pretend that didn't happen. Even though they kept those very, very short. But, man, he could have a great match with anybody. They're saying Flair, he's out of his prime. It's just even 93 at Starkey, saying he's out of his prime. Vader pulls an awesome match. And it's obviously Flair, too. But Vader, he's got an awesome match. When they're saying the styles will mesh, they mesh. Him and Sting, countless great matches. Super Bowl 93 is awesome. Starkey 92 is awesome. Great American Bash 92 is awesome. They had a, a basically an 8- or 10-minute match at WCW Pro that you'd be like, holy shit, that was awesome. Like, just unbelievable chemistry. Just could even go with Fall Pro 94 when they have that three-way with the Guardian Angel. They get the Guardian Angels out and Sting and Vader in. Forget about it. The Slamboree 94 can go on and on and on. Awesome well, chemistry. Uh, when he worked Mankind or Cactus Jack in WCW, is awesome. He could have had a great match. He kind of had a great match with Michaels until Michaels went into business for himself. So, I mean, he could have had a good WWF run as well, even not even counting all the Japan stuff, which was amazing. You could make a case that Vader was Sting's best opponent. I mean, everybody now yes. like kind of defaults to it was Flair. 
Nah, but I, Vader and Muda, those two guys are criminally underrated in what they did for Sting and Sting's career. Absolutely. I, I totally would go Vader over Flair uh, for that feud. He's awesome. I know Rick's thinking, oh, maybe Darby Allen when they start feuding. Yeah, but no, no, it's it's Vader. I, I will take dead Vader over Darby Allen any day. So. <laughs> I, I, so I just wonder if the thing with, with Vader is he seemed, you know, he, he was so good and so in, in – in all of those feuds and man, he was so vicious in his style. He kept you on your edge of the seat. It just had that raw realness to it. But when it came is, you know, we're talking about those big memorable moments. It was always like he was on the verge of it maybe, but not truly that iconic breakthrough. You know, the thing that's crazy to me is like when I was a kid and you'd see Vader come out with like the, you know, the Mastodon headdress and what smoke coming out. And it was like, wow, that's really creepy. You go back and watch when he started doing that in Japan, you could hear a pin drop in those arenas. That was awesome. Quite a look and just uh, just the the ambiance of everything. Like looking at the atmosphere, is like, holy shit, this is like cool as hell, different as hell. This guy is legit scary as all hell. And like, I don't know if this guy is serious. I don't know if this guy is like legit um, punching people because if you ever seen him throw that right, we talked about this on Greatest Punchers. Like, yeah. I don't think he's uh, working. I mean, I, he's guy is scary. He's really laying it in. You know, legit background as far as freaking playing for the NFL and being on the Rams. And, you know, this guy is a legit great athlete. Absolutely. Uh, one of those guys that changed the game. So, another guy I'm thinking about, and I always put them up there. Obviously, Andre, obviously, Undertaker, but Vader and this next guy always kind of compare. And Bret Hart was saying that this guy was better than Vader. I don't know if you guys will agree or disagree. My hometown boy, Bam, Bam, Bigelow. What do you think? I loved me some Bam Bam Bigelow. When, when I first got into professional wrestling, like all the cool kids were into Hulk Hogan. And I was like, dude, did you see that guy's got fire tattooed on his head? Like, that's my dude. I love me some Bam Bam. And he was so much more athletic than what he really got credit for because of most of his opponents and not being that athletic, you know? So there's so many people that just kind of know Bam Bam as this big, bad brawler guy. But Bam Bam could go in the ring. And he was probably, I won't say he was the most agile guy on my list, but he was definitely right up there. Bam Bam did some crazy stuff. Well, it's funny because Vader is Vader's agile as hell too, doing the moonsault mm-hmm. off the top and the Vader bomb stuff. But Bam Bam too with the moonsault, the rolling, the way he took bumps, the way he took care of the guys. Only thing I would say is Vader's known as being stiff. Bam Bam, which is nuts to think of this because he's so big and he's and he just looks like he's killing the guy. Shane Douglas said it. Bret Hart said it. Light as a feather. Which I, I got to give Bam Bam the notch there because he looked like he was killing people. But I think you know, that's a testament, you know, to be able to work those different styles and complement your opponent. Uh, that's one of the biggest things is your dance partner. Can they move you around? Can can you create motion for them? And he could absolutely do that as big man. I agree 100% with Jargo, man. You coming as a young kid. And what was so different about Bam Bam, too, you know, in the, the WWF, is you get other guys that look like him. I'm sure we're going to talk about someone like the one-man gang. Uh, there's other big bulking guys like that, and they would always come off as so vicious, and they would you know, terrifying. Bam Bam was a good guy, you know. He, he embraced the fans there, uh, so you could, it was easier to gravitate towards him. And he had that such a unique, incredible look. Jargo, 
But why didn't you ever get the, the uh, flame tattoos on the head, man? I think we should oh, do that. Man. Coming up, at least get some decals here for uh, Halloween. You got to rock those in, in tribute to uh, to Bam Bam. Bam Bam Jargo, we got to have coming at you. Uh, but I, I think he was more, you know, breaking it in 85. He was way yeah, ahead of his time. Way ahead of his time. Yeah. And, it, and it was so difficult to, again, you get into those spots where you're that attraction and because of that size and because he's so good at creating that movement and making people look good, he falls into that put-over role. And yep. let's let's also remember he kind of made ECW. I yes. mean, that 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 image of Bam Bam going through the stage was was more iconic than Shane Douglas throwing down the title for a while. Like that was Andre, you know, in the body slam at WrestleMania three. That was like the first clip anybody would see of ECW for years. And I always say this because Shane agrees too. Shane obviously was over with Terry Funk and he's been championing through the belt and all this other stuff. But when he feuded with Bam Bam, that kind of brought him to the next level. Like a legit tough guy, WBF TV, he was on NWA TV. He's a huge star internationally. He goes over on him and then he ends up joining his stable. So, I mean, it, it levels or, or brings Shane to the next level up. Yep. He brought Taz to the next level. RVD, when I interviewed him, he credited Bam Bam with getting him over. If you remember that, that awesome match that they had, and RVD went over. So it's like, man, he puts over all these guys, and he does help ECW elevate. Because not only is he awesome, he's unselfish, too, which I, I give him another nod, notch there just for like, okay, this guy's unselfish. He's putting guys over, but he's still a star. Yeah, Terry Funk gets all the credit, but Bam Bam was very, very vital in those early days at ECW. Yeah. Yep, and then even during the prime of ECW, mm-hmm. so vital to them. Uh, I would why, say for, which is why WCW stole him and had him almost feuding with Goldberg there for a little right. bit. If you can, which is it's really cool, you know, we, we remember him, you know, coming up, you know, showing up in WWF and really things taking off for them, taking him off for there too. Uh, such a great attraction, and you could still you could tell what was to come going back and watch him into t- the territories down in the south. So another big guy I was thinking of who I just absolutely love. What about Sid Vicious? What about Psycho Sid? Where does he land? You could have put Sid on this list like four different times with all of his different characters, which were all just Sid, right? Right. Sid was, especially when HBK had the title and Sid was coming for it, that was, to me, that was like peak Sid. That, like, character work viciousness the promos all of it. like that to me said justice said vicious psycho said what whatever you want to call him i always thought he was just so criminally underrated and he might be the first guy that i just thought i bet backstage he's hard to work with like like you didn't know anything about the business but you were just like i can't imagine sitting down with sid and being like you know here's what we're gonna do uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, he he skipped kindergarten, went right to the pro wrestling. So, you know, well, it turns out the real and, problem was Sean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with with Sid, man, it, the intensity was so incredible. Right. And, and the physique, uh, again, one of those just incredible attractions. Hell, you know, and he's just thought of like getting Sid vicious. It's in, it's in the name. Uh, he goes and he tries to turn, turn a, a new leaf you know he's going to the other side there and we get to see the true colors of that scumbag hogan that pushes him right back uh into becoming a, a villainous vicious individual it, 
I guess what what are one of the big knocks maybe on Sid is you know maybe truly it, he was one of those guys that hey that he was there for that paycheck and they all were. I mean yes, I'm not going to say that so naive that people are like oh I totally love this, but you know he could easily walk away and come back as he wanted. And I do believe that hurts the legacy a little bit. I also think that him shattering his leg in the ring hurts his legacy a little bit because that's what so many people remember about him now. Hmm. Big mistake uh, having WCW uh, tell him to do that. Like he says, he obviously sued them and won. I mean, so yep. he had a case there. But, man, why the hell would he ever do that move? It was so stupid. And he knew it, too. Like, this is not going to work for me. But, all right, if you guys want me to do it, I, I guess I can, even though I really don't want to because it's stupid and ridiculous. But, obviously, he got severely injured from that. To me, man, uh, he's so good. and He almost could have been so much more like the potential was there, the charisma through the roof. Anywhere he showed up, he was over. Just I, you rarely, rarely see charisma like that. A Hogan level, Sting level. He maybe he's a notch below, or you could say, but maybe not, because he shows up at ECW and everyone's like, "Ah, Sid's in ECW." Nope, those fans go absolutely nuts, and he got a bigger pop than anybody else that night. Any night that he was on, which is funny. And I was talking to uh, Justin Credible about it too. He's like, "Yeah, you would think that crowd would hate Sid, but he got the biggest pop of the night." <laughs> And they were chanting ECW, and then sick of it, like, oh, Sid, Sid, Sid. So it's just funny. It's like he was so damn over. The potential was there. And Vince thought he was the next Hogan. So, I mean, he, he, he almost, to me, sh- could be, should be higher on my list. But he's always in, in the conversations mentioned because he was so good. Champion WCW, champion of WBF, uh, over like Rover. But the thing was, that longevity wasn't quite there. And like Jargo said, maybe backstage. Who knows? And that's entirely speculation. Right. It was just as a kid looking at it. It was just like, I couldn't imagine like trying to sit down and do business with this guy. But I think it's a, that's what he wanted to project to him. And it's just that intensity yeah, that absolutely. he had about him, you know? Yep. yep. And, and it was the total package. Ooh, total package Lex Luger. Oh, okay. Yeah, not on my list. No, he's, uh, he wouldn't be considered a big man. He's smaller than Hope. Yeah. Although he's ripped to, to shreds. But Sid, I always throw out there, what about Kane? What about Glenn Jacobs? The longevity's got to really spark him higher up on the list. I do have Kane on my list, but I thought it was odd. As I made my list, Kane ended up lower than I thought he should be. And then I'm like looking at the list, and I'm like, I can't put him over that guy. I can't put him over that guy. I can't put him Why? over that guy. Why not? You know, I, I I don't know. It's 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 so strange because Kane, like first ballot surefire Hall of Famer, incredible career, but when I made my list of big men, I did not have him as high on my list as I thought I should. Hmm. I think in the case of Kane, if I'm just looking at that persona and maybe I would tend to agree with John, but I mean, what he was able to do just inside of the Kane persona itself, uh, the longevity is incredible. But again, I would tend to agree with Jargo there. If I take him away from, just that attachment, and I just look at Glenn Jacobs and what he was able to do inside of this business, I think it moves him up just as an individual in the business itself because he's done so much with so much crap that was handed to him. And he just kept coming back, and I think that's a testament to how much, first of all, his understanding of the business, how much he was respected what he meant to all those different fan bases, no matter what gimmick that they had strapped on to him. And, you know, just the passion and drive to continue to follow through. Now, how many people would have been strapped down, labeled 
with something, some of the bad spots that he was given that would have just kind of tucked tail and got the hell out of this business, you know, and showed up years later trying to just live off their cheesy gimmick at conventions. But no, I mean, he continued to reinvent himself. Even inside Kane, there was a time. So, I mean, you come in, you're thinking that's just going to be the spinoff, something short-term of The Undertaker. Then they even, you know, start making it into different jokes about it. But he rides that thing out. You know, prior to that, well, he's a dentist. He's an evil dentist. He's fake diesel. Unibomb. You know, whatever the cases they were doing with him. Even the Unibomb. Him, him and Al Snow were doing that. And their smoke, he was gold. So, I mean, it, the guy completely gets it. So we're looking at it from that aspect. I think the man himself has a much higher spot and respect on a list like this than a certain persona that he was portraying. And and I also feel like with Undertaker being so high and through no fault of his own, the way that the character Kane was designed, he's Undertaker light. Like the move set and, and the mannerisms, like he's Undertaker light by design, which I think we all respect the hell out of Glenn to be able to pull that off. But when I'm making the list of the best big men, I need something better than Undertaker light. You know, he kind of reminds me of like a conversation of like, you know, when we talk about all time greats in baseball, you know, people's people go to Pete Rose because of that that character the character how relevant he remains today, his name pops out, where that kind of hurts like a Johnny Bench. It was right there who, you know, he might have been able to do a lot more and all that, but just because but of the comparison, wasn't Rose. it wasn't the face of, you know, the big red machine at that time and, yep. and continued on at baseball in so many different fashions. So Kane's definitely going to be high up on the list. Maybe not in the top five, but he's got to be up there. What about the big show? What about Paul White? Is he on the list at all? He's got to be on there. It- Absolutely. He's got to be on there. I mean, good God, we've been seeing Big Show on our TV for what, 25 freaking years at this point? It's insane. Yep. We, we, we talk about longevity and staying power. My God, Big Show had a match in 2021. That's, uh, that, that's crazy. just insane. I, like, I don't feel like Big Show was anything other than the Big Show, but that's all he had to be, especially in his earlier days as the Giant, right? Like, to me, they turned Paul White so many times that he lost any kind of credibility whatsoever. Yes. The character yes. was just absolutely destroyed over the course of the years. But they almost turned him into like the Andre that we saw at the end of Andre, where he was the big lovable giant too soon. Like I always liked heel big show. I mean, you're yep, seven me foot too. two, 500 pounds, like go out there and just pummel people. That to me was the best version of big show. If they would have just let him do it. Yeah. You know, I, I think it really going into this thing is I looked at my, the top of my list. I didn't have big show anywhere near it. And t- now hearing Jargo make some points here, I understand why and, and why I was seeing that. And I think, you know, we started talking about eras and how we're going to, what our parameters are, how we're measuring these big men against each other. And I think that Big Show really is a victim of the times he was in. You talk about the longevity. We didn't see any other true big men come along to challenge for that spot. So what do you do with him? So again, now you're this special attraction who we have got, you know, even at a low a minimum of five to six hours of programming a week that you're going to be involved in. How do you continue on with that? What do we continue to do with you once you get near the top? Once you've challenged for something, where do you go here? So you got this continual flip flopping with him. 
you got him in these different roles sometimes where they're just downright level where you're trying to show his range inside of his character development and his talents because you got you've got to get him out there so often because no matter what his well, that's what I'm No matter what his position was on the card, and, and that's this isn't something else that was probably and continues to be Braun Strowman's biggest selling point is you put an advertisement out there. Like, let's say, you know, right now he's in talks with Impact Wrestling. That is, that is a tremendous grant for Impact Wrestling because, you know, please get, get him out there. Put, invest in some of your advertising. Get it wherever it's at. Because when you look at Braun Strowman, especially if you're a little kid who you're trying to pull to pro wrestling, he looks like a pro wrestler. You can immediately identify that something bad could possibly happen. Here's a giant guy that could do dangerous things. Is he in the fight game? Oh, he's a pro wrestler? Where's he at? I need to go see that. And, and I think that was a detriment to the big show for so long, working through eras where you had no other true big men. Now, my original thought here when I am making my top of my list, who's going to be in the big conversation? What did all these other individuals we're talking about? Game changers. What stood out? Nothing that Paul Paul White has ever done has has done that for me. It's always been rehash and nowhere as good as what we've seen before. As far as Big Show, definitely he's on my list. Not towards the tippy top, but he's got to be on there, of course. Yeah, it's not something wasn't quite just getting him to that next level of the Andre level, but maybe that was bad to kind of present him as a son at first. And then the expectations are through the roof and you'll never kind of be able to match those expectations. It's almost like having like uh, somebody doing a Hogan gimmick or something. You know what I mean? Like Eve had Sullivan, but a serious gimmick. I mean, it's just not going to measure up and it's never going to be as good as the original. So I I almost wish Paul White would have protected big show more than he did yeah like like maybe he was just too nice of a guy because if big show could have had a career very very similar to the undertaker where you could have just brought him back once a year as some kind of an attraction for wrestlemania but instead he was on tv 52 weeks a year and they flip-flopped him like six or seven times throughout the course of a year and he almost showed his range too much doing the comedy, yep. doing the diaper thing, uh, New Year's Eve baby. Like he almost, I know it's great. It's like amazing. Wow, this guy has like a great personality. But you almost, like you say, you almost want to protect that a little bit to hide yep. it. And Undertaker supposedly even has even said that to him for for years. Like, oh, you got to protect yourself a little bit more. Got to protect your character a little bit more. And he kind of, you know, obviously had a Netflix show which was successful, but. I guess not as successful because it wasn't a season two, but you know, right. he just showed his range out there, what he was able to do and not just be a generic big man. But at the same time, you almost want to curb that a little bit and, and keep your, uh, you know, kayfabe, keep your gimmick to yourself and protect yourself more. You know, talking about it now, I mean, it's they how, how they mishandled the big shows, exactly what they did to Braun Strowman. And yeah. now I wonder, now I wonder yep. if, if big show might be the one individual that ultimately suffered by leaving WCW to go to WWE. It's funny, too, because Vince was making fun of that, saying, like, oh, Bischoff and those guys didn't have to book you. I didn't have to book Giant. You booked him terribly. WCW booked him 10 times, even on the way out when he lost to DDP and they were doing the smoking thing. He was joking around and all sorts yeah. of stuff. And they even switched him a few times to NWO. They still booked him way better than WWF. WWF had no clue. Well, he could have. Except for that one time when he was doing that knockout gimmick, when he was like killing Sheamus and everybody. And really, you know, and even in the loss to Del Rio, he was completely protected. I mean, 
that was like the only time he was booked well there. And I, I don't even know who was booking. Was it Heyman booking at that point? But he was booked hard. And even ECW was booked okay, but that was under Heyman's role. But Vince, no clue what to do with him. I feel Losing like to Steve Austin, his first match. Are you kidding? That was horrible. I, I, I feel like Vince thought that he could warm up Big Show at any given moment in time just because of his size. And Big Show is a, the living proof that that is not the case. Booking yeah. does matter. Yeah. Even the loss to Steve Austin. Okay, it's Steve Austin. He's the biggest star to ever. Find him down. It, it, it just killed him. I don't care if it was five chair shots and a stunner. You don't do that match on Raw. Everyone was like, what the hell? Like, I know you're going to pop a nice yep. rating. because holy shit, the Giant versus Austin? What the, what the hell? That was awful. That was so stupid. Completely killed him. Then leading into WrestleMania 15, who cares about him and Foley because he already lost to Austin? Ah, man. They, well, just, so let's not forget, you know, when he goes yeah. over, you know, I don't really recall, and I'm sure he had these same issues in WCW coming in, thinking, hey, you know, look at me. I should be the top spot. Uh, a lot of backstage issues with him. Sent back to OVW for a little bit, and you hear the story from the guys. He's over with his head in the puke bucket most of the time. Uh, conditioning. You know, just psychology was a major issue for him in a lot of points in his career. Well, I mean, we, well we, Hogan we, took him under his wing, and it was like, you're the man, you know? And we see it in professional sports all the time, right? You, you see somebody with all the gifts of the big show. They don't try quite necessarily as hard because they don't have to. He's got all the gifts. Not yep. that about it. What about another contemporary of his? Obviously, a little bit older, but what about Big Sexy Kevin Nash, a.k.a. Diesel? Got to have Big Sexy on the list, right? And mm-hmm. I, 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 as I sat down here, I know one of the names that me and Paz talked about offline was Scott Hall. Yep. And does Scott Hall fall on the list? And I didn't put Scott Hall on the list because I put Kevin Nash on the list. I mean, when Scott Hall is calling Kevin Nash the big man and you're thinking of, you know, the, the not quite as big man, you, you don't quite make the list, right? But Kevin Nash, to me given where we were inside of the pro wrestling kind of landscape, when Kevin Nash got to WWF, when he, they brought him in as diesel as the heater for HBK, he was the most athletic big man I had ever seen. Like, cause I, I was used to seeing giants like Andre, whereas Nash is out there and he could actually run and he had the long hair. He was a good looking guy. And, oh yeah. And he's seven foot freaking tall. Dear God, like, what what are you going to do to this guy? And then they just, we talk about the booking. Kevin Nash was booked so strong when he first came in that I just felt like Diesel was going to destroy everybody because look at the freaking guy. I guess for me, you know, it it is. When he comes in, you're just, again, it's like, you look at this build, he's very similar in, in look, physique, to the undertaker. So it's okay. You know, we might have something here, very parallel. That's that we could get going with here, different styles, but very effective, you know, instead of, you know, really relying on the athleticism as the undertaker did still undertaker with the great power, but you looked at him more as the athleticism, uh, the agility, you know, Nash was, he's going to fight you. He's going to punch you in the face, power bomb you. Uh, that was, you know, about the end of it. Away from the, the entering work and what we saw on screen for me, the biggest respect that I can pay towards Kevin Nash is the prowess he had towards the business and making money from a very early on before, before he exploded onto the scene as diesel. He didn't give a shit about the gimmicks that were giving him over in WCW. Cause he knew he's going to go there and get his money. 
Hey, and I got to admit, man, uh, one of my guilty pleasures, man, I like Vinny Vegas. I like the uh, what they were doing. I like Paige. I like the Diamond Stud. I like Vinny Vegas together, man. That was one of like my, my little workout moments as a kid. They were I totally thought you were going to say Oz. I, yeah, I don't, so did I. I don't think anyone. I, I don't. I don't care where you came from. I don't even care if you were the biggest Wizard of Oz fan. I don't think anyone enjoyed that. No, terrible. Oz, uh, have you ever got the story behind the development for that? Was that like a push from TNT? Did they just were they airing? The, did they have the rights or something? And TBS. Did they have Sully, the rights to the Wizard of Oz at that time? They were trying to push something. Was they, Turner does. Up? Turner does own it. He owns the Wizard yeah. of Oz. I, I, th- I thought I've heard some kind of connection yeah. there between, and that's why they kind of developed that character. But Sullivan doesn't. I, I got to ask him maybe again more of a backstory. He just like totally brushes off, says it was horrible and it was a joke, and it was made to look him bad because uh, you know he's a little guy coming out doing whatever the hell he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I forget what they call him. The lollipop guild or whatever he's supposed to be, and then Nash he said there was like a total burial. He said it was awful, total bad idea. Uh, they were trying to be mainstream, but I, I thought it came from something from corporate, and I and I because they had the rights where they were getting ready to like you know how they run it in blocks where you get it like every Saturday for like six yep. months or something like that. Yeah, still a great movie, but it's just a total flop. Is oh, that's not I hate it. Seven that movie. foot character, come on, he's terrible. Oh, you hate a wizard, right? Um. My parents locked me in a room by myself and made me watch that. Uh, and those freaking monkeys are terrifying when you're four years old. So with Nash, I, I did put Hall on my list just because he's six foot eight. So kind of a big guy just in general. Those two are game changers, such big names. They got to be high up on the list. Maybe not best, but they they were complete game changers. What about Yokozuna? Where does he rank? I've got Yokozuna real close to Kevin Nash on my list. Ooh. But how high do you have Nash? Hold on, let me get this right. Then, what did you say you had Nash at? I've got I've got Nash kind of in the middle of the pack. Oh damn! A shot at Yoko. Okay, go ahead. Well, I mean, he was Yokozuna, right? I mean, like he was just I I didn't get it. When I just I never really got the whole Yokozuna character. It, it, it didn't relate to me whatsoever. Like to me, that was just kind of meh. Like, gotta, like we had seen the fat wow. guy gimmick. We had seen the fat guy gimmick. Too. I got to be honest, too. I was never big into Yoko. Um, I just felt like at that time period, even looking back, it's like they were definitely trying to get a big guy that wasn't a steroid guy, but still maintain the freak show and the big stuff that Vince loved. But I never was a fan of him, never liked him. Looking back, yes, it's impressive that he's that big, but he really only had good matches with Bret Hart. That's it. He was the only guy right? that can carry him. Everyone else was like, oh, he had this and that. Him and the Undertaker matches are almost unwatchable. They're so bad. And and I saw a documentary talking about how they had great matches. Name one. I never saw a good match. Well, I think, it, it, I think the issue with those is those matches were overbooked because you're, you're, you're going to ex- extraordinary lengths to try to protect both of those personas. Uh, because, I mean, absolutely. It's one of those things where you got two big men. Once one completely falls, they might be dead in the water to you. And then where does the other one go to? So you're trying to work your way through those. And Brett's having a great match. And when you're trying, if you're just going to compare everything to Brett, then I mean, you could say that a lot of people, everything <laughs> right. else. Stuck. But it was funny. It was like, okay, this guy is great. This guy is like, all right, haven't seen anything good at well, it see, great I, besides his size. And the matches are usually pretty short, but it was like, okay. Right. Brett carried him at nine and ten. Because they were only impactful. Good matches. I remember him coming out and being all I mean, the speed from this guy who could move so slow like that. And that was one of the things that made The Undertaker so great is you you move at this almost snail pace and then boom, 
because then your action, you got that fan's attention for that moment. You got they're waiting on the edge of their seat, and then you get that pop. You had that from Yokozuna. I mean, that guy could get. I mean, he could go from looking like he could barely get in the ring to a bull charging across that ring in two seconds. And the force and the thrust when he would go into a, a corner, I mean, you could swear that move was that ring was moving two or three feet. I, mean, I could just, you know, I've been there a couple times for it, but just I couldn't even imagine to be sitting on the floor to see, I mean, watch that move and that reaction there. That would have been simply incredible. The guy could get up and down. He went for, for his size, man, an incredible, incredible athlete. Uh, I thought he played well, you know, into the representation of the, of the gimmick, perfectly paired there with Fuji. Uh, you have at a later point there where you need the Americans voice piece you've got Cornetti it's so much going on around him and he was the perfect center for that universe now, I was talking about just happy you know when I was talking about him what was it the 93 when I pulled it up there for you when we were talking about the PWI yes invader yep okay well you had there that year at number five you had Yokozuna and we were talking about how impressive it was that Vader went from 15 to two he had Yokozuna go from in 93, he went from 110 to the fifth spot there in 93. That's, that's an incredible year, an incredible run, and an impact on the business. Booking matters, right? Um, I've got Rikishi higher on my list, and I've got Yokozuna. I was going to say, if you want to talk about just, let's say, Samoans from that, that tribe, from that family, and from that lineage, Rikishi is way better than Yoko in my book. It's funny, nobody agrees because he wasn't the world champion. No, but he I'm was when we talk about worker. impacts left on this business, and we get and we start looking at that dynasty. We could ask a hundred, we could ask a hundred people, and the other 98 of us are going to bring up Yoko before you two bring up Rikishi. I don't know, but I just think Yoko is all booking, very short run. Kind yep. of flashed in the pancake. You've got to be able to play in it and sell that. I mean, that's what they needed him for. And then obviously the weight gain and it got completely out of control on him. Uh he wasn't dedicated to doing longevity. anything. But look at I mean, the hell. longevity of Rikishi. Became a main eventer in two thousand for a while. I hated the heel turn, but when he was a base face, he was over like Rose. his his main event. His main event push was, is just about comparable to Brutus the Barber Beefcake getting an opportunity hey, like hey, that. Hey. Well, since we're doing, uh, you know, the Samoans, um, I have Umaga above both of them. Whoa. Umaga, I thought, was freaking incredible. Yes. I just wish we would have gotten more of his body of work to see where he was going to go. Um, and I, I guess you can put Jacob Fatu kind of into that conversation as well. Like, I don't necessarily think of Fatu as a big guy. But inside of the MLW context, Jacob Fatu is a big guy, and there's very few guys in the world that can move like Jacob Fatu. Like he's he's very much cut from that Umaga kind of cloth. I thought Umaga was going to be a main eventer for years. Yeah, I, I, I would say if, if you would have taken and maybe this was again maybe where they dropped the ball here. You take someone like Umaga, go back and look at the blueprint. Everything you did with Yokozuna. And just make the appropriate the appropriate adjustments to apply those same strategies. Yeah, I think he, you know, he could have shot beyond the stratosphere for for WWE. But again, when I'm talking about that impact, what he meant in the history of professional wrestling, I don't think either one of those touched Yokozuna. But Yokozuna as champion was a terrible draw for WWF. Absolutely awful. So, and and I know people always blame Diesel. The run before Diesel with Yoko 
is not good. And, and Yoko's run is not even as good as compared to Brett. And people rip Brett's run because we Brett talk wasn't about that as era, good as though, And Hogan. the business is so down. It's so terrible. It's lower than it is now. I don't know. Putting the title on Yoko, I don't think was was great. <laughs> it was a great idea. Diesel either. But uh, at that point, anyway, uh, I don't think he was ready for it. But <laughs> there, was a lot of, there was a lot of problems there that weren't Yoko. But another guy who's a sumo guy that was a definitely a great big man. What about Earthquake? What about John Tenta? Yeah, I had to put Earthquake on the list. I mean, when, when when I think back of like my early days as a pro wrestling fan, Earthquake squashing Damien is a memory that like sticks in my head yeah. very, very much towards yeah. the top of my, like, no. my child yeah. fandom, right? Um, and Earthquake was another one of those guys that it was like, holy cow, how does a guy that big move that fast? Right. Yeah, I, I absolutely got Earthquake on my list. Love and Golga was probably the greatest gimmick of all time. So, yeah. And shout out to Typhoon, Tugboat Thomas. Yes, he's on my list too. Yes. Uh, absolutely great together. The guys were incredible. Uh, Drago, it's funny you mentioned the snake, man. I, I'm going back and just remembering that bastard at the push-up challenge when, when they bring Undertaker – or not Earthquake out. Uh, it, it was, and he was one of those – Across the board, again, you know, those fondest of memories come from WWF, uh, especially when he forms a tag team with the Natural Disasters. Yep. Uh, but then again, you know, and he, and much like Glenn Jacobs, he's been strapped because he was so athletic and he is that big guy and he can use him in so many diverse positions, but he made the most out of the least. Yep. And even in short runs, he was great that it was, you know, you know, the run towards the top at Hogan. Uh, if it was the whatever they were giving him when he was kind of around the Dungeon of Doom, uh, he was always great with Woody. How, how many gimmicks did he have inside the Dungeon of Doom? I, I remember the shark. Well, he was uh, the avalanche first, then the shark. Avalanche, yeah. shark. Then he was just John Tenta. Yep. Then, uh, well, and then he was like, what? That's when he cut the skull. Half, half himself, yeah, where he had like yeah. half of his yep. head shape. So, just for the, the sake of time, I'm going to put a bunch of guys and bunch of men together as the WBF guys or like kind of Hogan feud guys or whatever you want to say. But let's just say Big Boss Man, who I absolutely love. Awesome. One Man Gang, who Rick mentioned before. Big John Stud and King Kong Bundy, all awesome big men in their own rights. Um, I, I, I got a couple other names that we can throw on if we're, we're going to kind of get the uh, the old school wing of, of best big men kind of going here. Big Cat Ernie Ladd. Uh, Big Cat Ernie Ladd, absolutely on my list. Killer Kowalski is on my list. Gorilla Monsoon, Big John Stud, uh, King Kong Bundy, Abdullah the Butcher. How are you going to make yes. a best big man yes. list without, you know, the most violent man and yep. before New Jack anyway? Uh, one Man Gang, Haystacks Calhoun, Don Leo Johnson, Crusher Jerry Blackwell was a massive freaking man. Blackjack Mulligan, I'm surprised you didn't bring him up, Haas. Yeah, good call. Yeah, yep. Definitely a big man. And then I, I do have a couple other ones that I have up here towards the, the top of my list that I figured nobody else would bring up, but but you just have to. One of the guys that should be in conversation for number one is Giant Baba. Uh, yes, Giant he's on my list, very high. Yeah, Giant Baba might have drawn more money than anybody else that we have talked about on this list when you go back to 1970s Japan. Um, I don't think it can be understated what a star he was over there. Baba absolutely towards the top of the list. Stan Hansen towards yes. the top of my list. Big time, yes. Um, I, and again, like not just what he did here in the States, but when you start taking his Japan stuff into consideration, 
you got to put him on the list and kind of in that same era. Uh, my personal favorite and the guy who should be number one if it wasn't for an unfortunate night in Puerto Rico is Bruiser Brody. Uh, Bruiser Brody had the complete package that anybody could want out of a pro wrestler. You, that The attitude, the promos, the sense of danger. You never knew yep. when things were going to go sideways. And by all accounts, he had a pretty damn good business mind, too. I really wish we would have gotten more out of the career of Bruiser Brody. Totally uh, agree. You pretty much anybody, Rick. I was going to say, Jerga pretty much hit everything I had here, but uh, I do have one on my list, and it's one that has come to mind. Is I would like to correct myself, but uh, the one that that we maybe we missed here, Mark Henry. Yep. Yeah, you know, making the the from the Olympics coming in and making, you know, learning the business really just be, becoming so much of it, uh, and now continuing to this day, all these what decades later. Uh, touching so many different generations on so many different platforms through different promotions. And, and if he's announcing, if he's wrestling, if he's podcasting, whatever the case might be, he's out there. He's helping mentor the young generation. Uh, and I got to believe here, I haven't had the opportunity to ever ask him about this, but I got to believe it. And I, I want to apologize saying that we haven't had a true great big man since possibly the Attitude Era early ruthless aggression, but I had a, a tremendous feeling if we sat down in five to 10 years and have this conversation again, he's going to be right there near the top. And ladies and gentlemen, you can argue WWE, AEW all day. The hottest thing in pro wrestling is the hottest big man in pro wrestling. And it's Shane Taylor. Yeah. Uh, and Rick, we saw that coming years ago. Um, the first time we sat down and interviewed Shane Taylor was about a week after he knocked out Keith Lee and sent his ass pack into NXT. And we saw the potential in Shane very, very early. And now to see what he has done, not only inside of a wrestling ring, but just raising his profile as, to me anyway, one of the more respected voices inside of the African-American community. If I need to, you know, what the hell's going on here? Shane's the guy that can sit down and break it down into terms that, you know, you and I can understand nothing but respect for that guy. So Rick, let's kind of get to the brass tacks here. Who is the best big man of all time? What is your pick? Uh, you know, again, it, these things seem to always come back around. We got to restructure these things, <laughs> but it always comes back to those first few that we list off there. Uh, and it, it ultimately comes down to Andre the Giant and the Undertaker, and I think this really, I think this really is a case where the the evolution of the complete product. It's okay to take the crown to sit atop the mountain. So I'm going with the Undertaker. Jargo, who do you got? You know, sometimes it seems like all Rick and I do is disagree for, you know, 56 minutes of an episode. And then in the last four minutes, it turns out that we both agree and it should be The Undertaker. I just I view him so highly above everybody else. Rick's absolutely right. I've got Andre at number two. I've got Brody at number three. Um, all of those guys, I think could be the best big man, but they all bring something else to the table. It's just Undertaker brings so much more when you look at the career, the longevity, and being able to watch it in context on a weekly basis. Andre the Giant, Undertaker, without a doubt. First guys I thought of, got to think about him. Bam Bam Bigelow, I love so many people say him, but 
I got to go with my man, my boy, and I got to change it up from you guys because Undertaker is definitely a great safe pick and would be maybe the smart pick, but I'm going to go Big Van Vader. He's my favorite, and I think he's the best big man. Just, I don't know, just tough for me to, to top him, even though Andre, I mean, Jesus Christ, what a career, and Undertaker is great, but just Vader, I don't know, some something about him that he was the perfect big man, and he knew how to play that role better than anybody. Like, he's going to bully you around. He even there's a great story where he tells the guys in, in the back, like when they're working, it's like, um, like when he goes to Japan, stuff, he goes, Don't let him bully, bully you around. And they're like, What do you mean? Like, we're having strong style matches. He goes, No, no, you be the bully in the match. Like, he would, he would you know, tell him his philosophy on like how to wrestle the guy. So I just love that mentality. I just got to go Vader. Uh, I love him. But uh, also want to throw this one out there. I threw the poll out last week of best debut. And the Shockmaster, because Rick told me to put him on there, he did really well. <laughs> like he, he almost, I told you. At one point, I thought he was going to win the damn thing, but uh, Jericho and WWF didn't end up winning. But, man, he was close. Got way more votes than Kane and WWF got, which is what we were talking about was maybe the best. Like Obviously, we picked Jericho, but we are saying Kane's neck and neck. They went uh, Jericho, they went Punk and AEW, and then they went Shockmaster, like big time. So, Rick, your Shockmaster was actually a success. There we go. Uh, I, I can say, you know, just real quick as we do ask our fans out there, we're going to have the poll out again. Uh, but I think it'll be another cool question to throw out there. You know, get at us on social media, the three of us, whatever, give us a tag. Book a cool spot that you would like to see that interaction between Andre and Undertaker. Look at the timelines. How would you like to see it? Let us know about it. And not backstage at MSG with Sean Mooney. That's a difference. Yeah. Undertaker should have retired him. Right. I mean, like it, it, when you really want to get down to it, like looking at hindsight 2020, that should have been Andre's retirement. Yeah. But remember, you remember what Hulk said on that uh, E special years ago? He body slammed Andre at WrestleMania 3, and Andre died soon thereafter. <laughs> how, how many druids would you need to carry that coffin? Jesus. Holy <laughs> moly. 500 pounds. He's a, he's a big boy. You don't Man, I always thought about Andre and going on those trips to Japan. Could you imagine Andre and like, you know, the airplane bathroom? Like, get the fuck out. You imagine have to be the guy who has to clean the airplane bathroom after Andre gets out of there? Well, in that Andre documentary, they said that he was too big to fit in there. So they just had to bring him like a five gallon bucket and pull the curtain. Man. I mean, damn. Crazy. Oh, man. So anyway. This week, best big man, you guys went Undertaker Owen Vader. But let's go to the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com and of course Patreon. Patreon.com slash tmptempire. Jargo, what do you got? You can find me across all social media platforms, although now I've turned into a Twitter person because I've sworn off Facebook because, you know, Zuckerberg pissed me off. So on Twitter, at NotJargo, keep up, and uh, God knows I'll have a whole bunch of content coming out as the G1 approaches over on Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. Rick. Hey, coming up uh, just a month away, it is Food Trucks and Wrestling. The Pro Wrestling Alliance presents Food Trucks and Wrestling uh, keep up with us there over on facebook.com backslash professional wrestling alliance getting ready to launch our other social media platforms as well got some videos then i'm going to be editing down so we have some more footage coming out of that hey uh you'll be able to catch uh coming up shane taylor we just talked about chasing ben hameen with a sledgehammer that's going to be one of the videos we got coming at you so again that's the uh, pro wrestling alliance facebook.com professional wrestling alliance be on the lookout for our other social media platforms hey and i do want to put over 
Uh, Colin Wysong, who is our partner over at the Hummy Media Group with the brand management, got some very cool things going on this week uh, for his show that he handles the A Show with April Hunter and Aaron Stevens. Uh, a tremendous, entertaining uh, duo there with the podcast, but they had on the NWA World Heavyweight Champion Trevor Murdoch yesterday an incredible conversation there. Uh, you can check that out. And right now, they're probably, as we're wrapping up recording, they're wrapping up recording with the uh, WWE Hall of Famer, the hardcore icon, Mick Foley. So you can catch those replays for a limited time at Twitch TV backslash The A Show. You can go check out their Patreon. You can check out their YouTube. Again, that is The A Show with April Hunter and Aaron Stevens. Great stuff. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Jargo. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for a little bit of Who Is? This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies brother.